good evening, Dr. Daly. Hi, Arham. Yeah, so uh, just to introduce Dr. Daly to y'all, um, he is an infectious disease specialist. He was also a former chief of staff of uh, North Fulton Hospital. And so I will be asking him some questions today regarding the uh, COVID-19 pandemic and some aspects of the medical side and also the government side, just to have a more balanced outlook on the entire situation. So, uh, Dr. Daly, my first question is, what is the current state of the pandemic um, in in your view? Well, as you can tell by the increasing positive tests, uh, the uh, pandemic is has new energy, uh, which certainly you could call a second wave. Although, when you say something as a second wave, it really is uh, an event that occurs in a geographic location. Uh, for example, maybe a, a second wave might occur in the East Coast or the West Coast or in a in a in a uh, country in Europe, um, but it doesn't occur in every place simultaneously. I see. Uh, in, in, in the United States, it, it's, it's quite clear that the virus came from the coast, both coasts, um, and then it has been going inland and is now in the, uh, the heartland of the country, basically. I see. Mm-hmm. So, I want to understand from the medical perspective, how was the medical community's response to the pandemic, in your opinion? Um, I would say the medical community's response would depend whether or not you are thinking of the uh, the, the medical community uh, as a government entity or the medical community as a local uh, place as far as care is concerned. So, oh, uh, sorry to interrupt. So, I think if we could actually first focus on, like, the local aspect you're talking about, or I guess you could maybe say, yeah, the local aspect. I think that early on, uh, when we did not have uh, tests, and we had patients getting infected and dying, and in some cases they were dying, and it wasn't clear what they were dying from, um, the, the hospitals were being overwhelmed. Uh, this, this was clear in New York State. Uh, it certainly was clear in Georgia as well uh, early on uh, in, the, in, the, in the first wave. Um, and there was a significant number of in- intensive care unit deaths of people who died of respiratory failure or other conditions. Mm-hmm. And that um, over time, we have done significantly better uh, in treating those conditions. We have less patients going from the hospital to the intensive care unit. We have less patients in the intensive care unit who are dying. Uh, we have a uh, sort of an approach now medically that uh, is that we give a drug called remdesivir, which was originally for um, uh, another virus, uh, 
and we are giving steroids for the allergic component of this, or the autoimmune component, and uh, we're giving antibody preparations. And this appears to have substantially decreased the uh, the mortality uh, of, of the of the virus. But we do not yet have a, uh, if you will, a slam dunk treatment. I see. Okay, so I want to understand now the government's response, or like the um, the medical aspect that the government's been involved in. How would you evaluate their response to the pandemic? Well, I would give, if, if I gave an A to the local response, mm-hmm. I would give a B to the government response. I see. And the reason I, I would give a B is that when all those patients were dying in nursing homes in New York, uh, we did not have a test for the virus. And the uh, the CDC was given the virus and was trying to make a test. Mm-hmm. But because they contaminated the laboratory, we did not have a test early on. And the testing, the whole testing uh process became a frantic, if you will. Yes. <laughs> and, and we had many tests, and none of them are, are very good. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, uh, that that was a significant problem. And, you know, I, I guess I'd give a B, but, you know, could could that type of, uh, you know, problem help happen any, any time that you maybe you, you don't get it to test the first the first time, I would say that could be true, um, but other countries got were able to get the test, and so I would I would give us a B on that particular uh, issue. I see. Um, if you if you take the government's response in terms of the most practical thing that we can do, uh, such as mass uh, social distancing hand sanitizing and uh, trying to spend more time in the fresh air. I believe that the that the government was weak on that particular issue and I would say particularly weak from President Trump's standpoint. Mm-hmm. I think his he could have done a much better job communicating about uh, you know those issues especially since those issues were the only ones that we knew to be, you know, absolutely needed, you know, in the beginning. I see. So I want to move on and uh, understand how statistics has played a role in the pandemic. Um, So how has statistics and data collection proven to be useful for tracking COVID-19? They haven't proved very good, mm. and and they haven't proved very good because more than half the patients uh, have been shown to uh, to get the virus and never have symptoms. I see. And the ones that never have symptoms spread the virus without anybody knowing it. Oh wow! Okay. So, are you saying that the? Uh, sorry to interrupt, sir, but are you saying the numbers are a little bit lower than they should be, or like significantly lower? I think that the 
they're doing a, well, the, the, the second part of the problem with recognizing and doing data collection uh, is the issue of how fast you can get the test back in order to do tracking. Mm -hmm. Yes. And the vast majority of the tests you can't get back in two days. And therefore, you cannot do practical tracking. I see. They've been able they've been able to do tracking in bubbles for the sports teams, but those are a collection of people that, by and large, in many cases, are a low risk group, so they can do multiple tests to prove that somebody does or does not have, you know, COVID. But for most of us, you know, there's no it's very very difficult to get back a test in, in less than forty eight hours. And that makes dealing with the results very sketchy. Mm -hmm. I see. So, moving, f I did actually have a question about the tests in particular. It, it seems like, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you do take an issue with how testing has been going. How do you evaluate that a, te a test for a certain disease is good? Well, the, for the doctors at the bedside, we need not only to have a test that says positive or negative, mm -hmm. but we have to understand the predictive value of that test. And I the see. predictive value of the COVID tests are poor. Oh. The predictive, or the, 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 there's maybe up to 30% of false negatives in the uh, reverse transcriptase PCR test. Oh, wow. The, the, num the number of false negatives is even worse. If you if you take four days before somebody has symptoms, almost a hundred percent have a negative test. Mm -hmm. If you take if you take the day they have symptoms, up to two thirds have a negative test. Okay. If you take two to four days later, you maybe get the maximum number of positive tests. But but we're doing literally millions of tests. Mm -hmm. which, which the reliability of which is very, very poor compared to tests that we're used to having. I see. So like the test does hmm. the test does do one thing. Yes. If you look at the total number of positive tests, you can see the pandemic wave very clearly, mm -hmm. even though in a given individual it's hard to know what the test means. I see. So, I, I did have a question. So, there does seem to be a sort of mass skepticism, if you will, regarding COVID-19 and then also uh, regarding doctor reputations. Uh, for example, I know Many people have been taking issue uh, with Dr. Anthony Fauci, who's been, uh, one could argue, the leading expert on COVID-19, or at least spokesperson on COVID-19. So could you help me understand what caused this mass skepticism in our doctors and in medical organizations? Well, that's a complex question, but I'm going to, I'll take a shot at it. Okay. The... The social media and, uh, you know, with Facebook and all these various 
multiple types of social media, mm-hmm. as well as the 24-7 news organizations yeah. that have to be fed with information. Yeah. That, that, that puts a massive amount of information. And those, those people and those organizations, news organizations, thrive on somebody who says, I, I don't think that's true. Or I think it could be something else. So they sort of feed on their own uh, information, false information. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a totally different world than it used to be as far as you know, understanding and uh, having reputable news organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that, that, that causes a lot of uh, skepticism. Yeah. And then our own, our own government creates skepticism when the president of the United States uh, says that he doesn't think masks do anything. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think he should work, if they don't do anything, he should work in the intensive care unit and not have a mask on and see how, see how, how long he would last. Yes. So, I think my, uh, one of my last questions um, will be, when do we know the pandemic will end? It's likely that, that if we have a vaccine, and that a good percentage, maybe 50% of the population takes the vaccine, and it works, so that we will have a practical end sometime in, say, mid-2021. But the virus will continue to be here and continue to infect people for several years. Okay. Do you think it's realistic to expect a 50, a 50% vaccination rate, given that there are like a considerable number of people that are skeptical of vaccines? I think that you would think that people seeing the the two hundred and fifty thousand deaths, definitely, uh, which will be which will be much higher, and having their their grandparents die would recognize the benefit of having a vaccine. But there there is a portion of the population which I believe is relatively small mm-hmm. who have a great deal of skepticism about vaccines and they don't send their kids and they're worried about the side effects. So they're banking that if they avoid the side effects, they'll be ahead of the population that takes the vaccine and has a side effect. Mm-hmm. Well, this is, uh, you know, sometimes it takes teamwork for yeah. as a country to solve some of these problems and, it, it, it's hard to, to get that teamwork when we have both the media, the politicians, and other crazy people saying things that are flat wrong. I see. Yes, that definitely makes sense. Well, Dr. Daly, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it, and uh, I hope you have a good evening. Okay, nice talking with you, Arnhem. Yes, thank you so much. And to those of you listening, uh, thank you so much for listening. Good night.